welcome to Serially Hook Star Wars, where your hook is Chris and Rashad. And today, Chris, can I count on you? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Subscribe to the Serially Hook wherever you get your podcasts um, to find every new episode in your feed. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. This is a great show we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the fourth episode of Ahsoka, Fallen Jedi. Not to be confused with the video game Jedi Fallen Order, which really does confuse me. And I try to mix them. I don't mix them up. Well, what? I mix them up every time, as even though I try not to. It's, I, li- I like the double entendre and the, uh, or the, the, the two meanings in the uh, title as well especially later on when some fights occur. I like that a lot. And people fall off cliffs? <laughs> yes, exactly. And a Jedi literally falls off a cliff, uh, which was... But, uh, you know, that's the most that's the most direct quote, but obviously we have Balin as a fallen Jedi. And if, if Ahsoka had died, which, spoiler alert, she didn't, um, she would have also been a fallen Jedi in a different way. So there's that. We have a triple meaning. And with that, do it. Do it for Ezra. Do it. <laughs> I think that's a good question to start with, actually, is who is the titular fallen Jedi? Because you mm. can talk about Ahsoka falling off the cliff. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert. <laughs> you have also the most famous fallen Jedi making a surprise true. appearance at the end of the episode true. with spoiler alert again, oh Anakin God. Skywalker. Yes. You have Balin, as you mentioned, falling quote unquote from the Jedi, even though we don't know exactly what he's doing, why he's doing. And I think with every episode, he becomes more intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. And we also have Sabine as someone who was trained to be a Jedi and was given a, a task to, <laughs> you know, that her master counted on her for. And she clearly wasn't up for it. And mm. when asked, could she count on her? She just failed. So sorry, Sabine. You're a fallen I mean, Jedi as well. <laughs> I, I guess. Did she fail or did she choose to fail? You know? oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with a lot of fallen Jedi, though. They choose the dark side and mm, true that would be interesting twist if sabine becomes a dark side user <laughs> i That'd doubt be it amazing <laughs> but, but yeah yeah uh, there's a lot of tall, fallen jedi in this episode and that's what really makes it cool absolutely i mean let's i mean totally to be to, perfectly honest nothing in this show has excited me as much as seeing anakin and ahsoka reunited i cannot wait to see this uh that conversation which is so funny because after the terrible prequels to have so much joy to see Hayden Christensen in the role (laughs) of Anakin like appear is so weird. But, you know, again, head head off to uh, uh, Dave Filoni. That's all the work of the Clone Wars. Yeah. And it meant so much. Like just (laughs) seeing him say the word snips as she's like in the background and then he turns around and he's just standing there with his uh, Clone Wars outfit. Oh, it looks so good. And just it feels (laughs) it makes you just want to skip the entire week and just be like, (laughs) next Wednesday, now. Right, right. Maybe this is the episode that I'm going to watch twice before we talk about it. Who knows what's going to come. But I'm so excited. Uh, But first, let's talk about this episode. 
Yeah, so the episode is um, largely set on Cetos. There's nothing else really. I guess there's the stuff in mm-hmm. space with Hera and the, the Ring of Scion, but not too much there. It starts with them kind of in a pseudo planning sequence, just talking about what they have to do and what's going to come and mm-hmm. the choices potentially that Sabine is going to make as Ahsoka talks to Sabine and tells her basically it is, it, there might be a scenario in which they have to basically give up on the idea of finding Ezra if it means preventing Thrawn from coming back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a fair, fair, fair question, and it's the thing that comes up in a lot of television shows, right? Do you sacrifice the one to save the many, right? And this is just mm-hmm. another iteration in that. And as Ahsoka is talking about this and knowing Sabine, we know that she's always going to choose Ezra, and she's going to follow her gut in that way. And mm-hmm. this is just another... For me, it's just an ins- like another instance that shows that Sabine isn't really fit for being a Jedi, and mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing with this, unless it's to show that she's not good at being a Jedi and showing how you can't just teach anyone and you have to have a certain disposition. I don't know, but I think it's a really interesting balance, especially when you consider her relationship, her being Ahsoka, Ahsoka's relationship with Sabine juxtaposed in this episode with Balin's re- relationship with Shin Hati. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I want to hear the point with uh, Balin and Shin, but I have two points as well about this. First off, Ahsoka's philosophy here feels very Jedi to me in a way that her younger self would have criticized. Don't you agree? Oh, for sure. And I think my theory, and unless you have a theory as to why that's the case, Mm -hmm. um, my theory is that in her regret for leaving the Jedi Order and the consequences that had on Anakin, maybe she re-embraced the Jedi Order and some of its ideas in that way Mm -hmm. and saw the dangers that the Jedi were proselytizing at the time. So she's doubling down on the Jedi dogma, basically. Because of her regret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like sunk cost fallacy, like perfectly encapsulated there in a way. Like so much stuff has happened. I'm just going to go with this. I mean, I guess she tries to sell it in a way that, okay, it is like specifically this thing. If you're in this deep, uh, you can't like, you know, you have to get, get, you know, you have to follow it through. (laughs) But I don't know. I just found it an interesting and it's an interesting thing to say coming from her specifically. Well, I think part of the journey of this episode or the season is going to be her finding her old self. Mm-hmm. She comes in as a Jedi, right? In her mentality, in the way she's working, in the way she's talking, in the way she's just moving about the world. This cold, um, distant, uh, pseudo-separated-from-reality type figure. <laughs> yep. And I think that one of the journeys that she might go on, I mean, this is just me speculating, there's a lot of speculation at this point still, is her finding the heart that made Ahsoka Ahsoka and made her special. Mm -hmm. And maybe part of her loss of that is the regret. And this goes back to all the way when she was introduced in Mandalorian Season 2, what was the title of her episode? The Jedi. Mm -hmm. And that's her in a Jedi state of being. And maybe as she goes along... Um, encountering all these different characters and very key to that is the reemergence of Anakin. She will find herself. Well, I guess we'll mm-hmm. find out. Yeah, I guess, I guess we will. I, I would hope so because I thought 
like last episode already that she was such a hard ass and so stiff um, that she was barely recognizable from the animated shows we've seen her in, um, which I kind of have started to like not like as much. So I hope we get the Ahsoka back that we know f and love from the uh, animated shows. But my second point is has more to do with Sabine. And correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I remember from Rebels... Sabine and Ezra got along, you know, obviously they quarreled a little bit, but, you know, they had like a little bit of a weird relationship, but there was always a sort of bond there. But here, I don't remember whether it was Sabine saying it herself or whether it was Ahsoka, but somebody said that it's basically, you know, that's Sabine's most important relationship and that she cares so much for him. And I thought like, this is overdoing it like a little bit from my memory, but maybe I just misremember that from Rebels. So by weird relationship, you mean for two seasons, Ezra was, had a huge crush on Sabine, awkwardly? Yeah, but also it was like... That was just me was, a joke. We can move on from that. Uh, what I meant really, <laughs> it was that Balin, Balin was saying that to her, saying that uh, he's the only family you have left, basically. Mm. And it's a type of manipulation in a way. But also, yeah. it makes some sense for her to really care about Ezra in the sense that um, in the memory of Ezra, her like fondness for him, I guess, grew. But also that we learn key information in this episode that... Sabine's biological family all perished on Mandalore yeah. during the Night of a Thousand Tears. So we now know that it is basically Ezra's one of the last connections to anyone she has on, on Earth, basically. Uh, so I don't think it's that different than what she, you know, what, what we left off at. But I think that her fondness for the memory of the group as well is wrapped up in Ezra and his survival and finding him and all that. Plus, Uh, wrapped up into the regret that she holds for not being able to see her family. And then also, not not only not being able to see them, that the fact they're all dead, but also <laughs> that, we, that this is also a key piece of information because we now learn that why she hates Ahsoka, like not hates Ahsoka, but that's why they have a falling out. And one of the reasons why um, Ahsoka, and they probably went their separate ways earlier on, and it's probably related to that, massacre on mandalore as all mm -hmm. things happen in modern star wars everything all roads lead to mandalore <laughs> indeed um yeah it's weird i don't know i don't know what it is with star wars and weird like sibling or sibling like relationships and then love comes into it somehow and it's kind of like ugh, i don't know uh, but i felt like they played it more as an as a romantic thing in this instance oh i didn't think that at all i think that no? was entirely uh familial like a brother okay. kind of thing maybe i was just like misreading that okay I mean, cool. hey you you do you you read it as a, as in any way that you want <laughs> please yeah i don't know maybe uh, maybe i'm just trying to pin an incest fetish on george lucas or something i don't know Uh, I mean, if there's one thing we know about George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he also he already has a thing for mutilation. All of these weird, like, people, get, people getting their arms and shit chopped off. So, who knows? Anyway, let, uh, here's me changing the topic. Um, because we get Hu Yang um, repairing the ship. And then, of course, 
they get ambushed and Hu Young has this great fist fight with another droid whilst uh, Ahsoka and Sabine quickly dispatch of the attackers. And it was so far. I, I don't know. There were some comedic elements in there there as well because I think Ahsoka just says, yeah, you know, be careful, be quiet. And then literally 10 seconds later, he gets attacked. Uh, that was pretty funny. Well, I think, you know, that was just a cool scene to see Hu Young fight. I think that was awesome. Yeah, that was amazing. And the, obviously, you know, his relationship with Ahsoka, because Ahsoka knows that the the energy going out um, means that Hu Young is in trouble. Um, and another thing that I loved was uh, as Ahsoka and Sabine are getting ready to leave, Hu Young tells them, stay together. That's like, that's when you're at your best or something like that and then they literally within 10 seconds after meeting shin and the inquisitor they shin and the inquisitor managed to separate them and i I thought like yes great advice not heated at all not one bit and hu young (laughs) is also just so cool i think every episode that goes by i like him more and more Mm -hmm. i think that's one thing about dave floney he can write a droid right it's amazing oh my god and we see, oh, we get to see some more Chopper in this episode. I'm so happy. Yes, we do. It's still too much in the background for me. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think one thing with this uh, fight scene uh, is it's interesting that Sabine, obviously she's wearing her Mandalorian armor, but immediately goes back to the her blasters, her twin blasters, instead mm-hmm. of going to the lightsaber at all. And it's only really as a last resort does she pull that out. Mm-hmm absolutely it's uh i mean it makes sense right it's the weapons she's more comfortable with yeah you'd imagine but then you'd also imagine that she's been training so much with the the jedi with the lightsaber that maybe she would start with that and then when that fails go to her blasters especially when it's only the assassin droids out there but when it's really when it's shin and when shin like you know you're not gonna be able to stop her with uh (laughs) with the blasters but i guess she tries yeah and in the end, she does not neutralize her, but uh, kind of somewhat uh, makes it difficult on Shin using her little propeller thing when she fakes using the Force. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how I read it. So at the end of the episode, the, the part of the fight where Shin and uh, Sabine are fighting, she kind of reaches out, right? And, and yeah. Shin turns her face. And I read it that Sabine tried to use the Force, but didn't, um, mm-hmm. or the another reading could be that she did use the force but a small tiny bit just to be able to push shin's face around and not actually <laughs> enough force um wow. that's i don't know that's the there's two readings to there is there yeah. one you fall on or one you think is more realistic i mean i love the she try she tries to move the face with the force that's kind of funny no i think she tried to move her whole body back but she could the only yeah, force yeah. that she could muster was turning the face <laughs> that's amazing i mean i'm i'm it's more likely that the first theory is true to be perfectly honest uh but I like the second one more. <laughs> um, it would have been a nice maneuver to kind of try to use the force if she had another blaster, you know, to to do the hand gestures. So Jin looks away and then then just shoots her in the back. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a great great move. But alas, she didn't have any blasters anymore. Yeah, I, what do you make of the fight scene in general between Marak and Shin and and Ahsoka and Sabine? I mean, I love. I always love the um, um, that move in sword fights 
with like two people going at each other and one of them does this elaborate thing and the other one just does like one strike that turns out to be lethal that's such a trope from samurai movies but i and here Ahsoka does it as well but i love it uh i think the pairing is interesting because in terms of skill level i would have assumed that sabine would face the inquisitor but it makes sense that sabine goes after shin because it's kind of again sith alert some revenge thing after the last the last confrontation but also we don't know we didn't know the skill level of maruk right he could have been no. i mean now that we know he's so when ahsoka shoots him down or slices him down a lot of green gas basically comes out of Murak mm-hmm. and that just basically indicating that he's controlled by the same night sister magic that yeah. we've seen in the clone wars and we've seen in different places so it wasn't really Murak is not like a live person that they can that is walking around he's more just a, an animated ghost of some kind mm-hmm. yeah for sure that was a nice tie-in and again makes it very mysterious for people who haven't watched the animated shows but for people like us who have seen them we immediately know what's going on. I mean, hey, it reminded me of our best friend. Uh, oh, what was what did we call him? Savage uh, Billy Press. Bob. Billy, Bob. Billy Bob. There he is. <laughs> Billy Bob. Call back to one of our earliest episodes. Savage <laughs> Press, aka the worst name in Star Wars history. There's a lot um, of bad names. I know, right? I think I cl- didn't. I claim the wor- uh, some other name in the Ahsoka show to be the worst. Um, Morgan Elsbeth, like because it was normal. No, so some other one in one of the earlier episodes. Anyway, but Savage Press is just in terms of stupidity is definitely up there. That'd be a fun uh, uh, ranking to do. Oh, Worst yes. name in Star Wars. Oh yeah, uh, I am currently writing that down. So keep you know everybody uh, check your feeds. So after the battle kind of finishes at least the ahsoka part finishes ahsoka for some reason doesn't go to help out her friend who's fighting a padawan instead right. runs a wall runs off to go fight balin in 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 person and i wonder mm-hmm. to what extent this is just her trusting that sabine can handle it her thinking that like She's so focused on her goal, doesn't realize that she should actually just help Sabine here instead mm. of running off like very um, unknowing to like what she's doing. I guess I don't know how exactly what why she did this. Yeah, I think I could I could go with the theory of you know for the greater good. Again, the individual in this case Sabine isn't as important. Um, but wasn't there like a ticking clock in terms of she saw the. Um, the map getting activated or no she saw morgan leave i think she saw a ship leave and so i thought that she sensed some sort of urgency here yeah i guess that there is the urgency there i i also wonder how long it takes for her to i mean how much at a time are we talking i guess it's enough but i i think it's the when we're talking about it i think it's less about the one versus the all i think it's more that she trusts sabine to do it mm-hmm. right yeah and it's kind of akin to the management style or the teaching style of anakin where anakin would For do the same sure. thing yeah just like let leave ahsoka she'll do her thing she'll survive i'm just gonna go do my thing mm-hmm. and yeah. i mean she's just that's how ahsoka knows how to train because that's how she was trained <laughs> yep but what ensues is uh I, i'm just gonna say it, it was an amazing uh, lightsaber battle between balan skull and ahsoka which starts with Lots and lots of 
form like fighting forms and then <laughs> switching back and forth and mm-hmm. eventually landing blows and the way that Balin fights is absolutely incredible. Yeah. It was a nice callback with the fighting forms to the original movies, I thought. Yeah. Um which is a fun thing to think back on like that's how it like the classically trained jedi that's how they start until they then just go with brute force (laughs) eventually and just hacking and slashing um but yeah it's super impressive i love the backdrop but in a few especially in the the more close-up shots you could really tell that there's a green screen there that was a little bit underwhelming i don't think Um, it's shot with a green screen though it's shot with the, the volume Oh, so it is no green screen, huh? I I I think I'm gonna double check that because for me it looked really green screeny. Like, yeah, it looked really green screeny. I didn't pay attention to that. I paid was paying attention more to the actual fight, yeah, and specifically, <laughs> <laughs> and specifically how Balin is fighting because we've never seen that kind of fighting style before, mm-hmm. and it feels like he's has these really heavy swings as he's going at it. He feels like it's like his armor is very heavy. He feels very heavy, not very yeah. light and nimble like the other Jedi that we've seen. And yeah. the way that Ahsoka basically can parry his attacks is just um, redirecting them in a way because she can't handle them. It's just uh, like up close and uh, directly, I guess. So yeah. the way that their contrast and fighting style I found to be absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a little bit of so basically Balin is like the mountain, but as a Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Um, or this fight in particular, even though it is a little bit of a different dynamic, it reminded me of that scene of like Brienne versus Arya. Ah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but in that, you know, I really like the contrast here as well, uh, and Ahsoka just like, yeah, I love her lightsabers so much. I was wondering why she, she only brought out one, but I guess it makes sense because she knows she ha- goes against someone who has like a lot of strength. <laughs> so she needs her like both of her arms on the one saber. Um, but yeah, even even though even then, like she she has a hard time with it, obviously. Yeah, it's interesting why she used the one saber only. I thought it was mm. maybe originally because she used the two sabers at the beginning with the assassin droids because of the multiple parries that she can kind of redirect the the, the blasts. And mm-hmm. with the individual like lightsaber duels, doing the one is, a, is another strategy. But I guess it's hard to re- tell because in the past, Ahsoka has used two. Mm. She, I mean, she's used her Shoto blade when it comes to fighting Maul and fighting others. So I wonder why that here. But maybe your your answer is right. It's just too strong. Yeah, and which also would uh, show her as someone who's able and willing to adapt if need be. And the fight then turns on a head when Shin Hati appears and Sabine mm. is not there. And I found this to be really interesting because... It's it's this mental game that's happening as the fight is pursuing in, ensuing because Shin appears. Ahsoka mm-hmm. thinks basically that means Sabine is dead. Then Ahsoka yeah. basically throws Shin against the rock and knocks her out. Uh, yep, tapping into somewhat of the dark side kind of vibes. Like that's intense stuff. Yeah, at first I thought uh, she was gonna force choke her. Um, that's what it looked like to me. But yeah, just like throwing someone that was very Dooku versus Obi Wan at the beginning of uh, Revenge of the Sith. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, quick, quick update on because I just looked through my notes. The reason Ahsoka left Sabine behind because is that Sabine told her to. She literally says, "Go, I got this." To her, uh, so little uh, correction here. Also, you shouldn't just leave your Padawan, even if they say. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. But uh, just a quick, like we literally get a scene there. But um, anyway, I think that that's um, I don't know. Just also the the entire. It's not just the sheer physicality of it, um, that's so interesting to me, and you know Ahsoka's different fight fighting style and the way she reacts to Shin uh, appearing and the consequence of like what she thinks that means, but uh, with a great way of foreshadowing, it turns out that Balin talks about Ahsoka a lot. Uh, about Anakin to Ahsoka a lot. Um, that was also so interesting to me, which, um, yeah. And the sound design of the lightsabers was really special this time around. But um, yeah, I think I was <laughs> two little notes going away from your main point you were trying to make. <laughs> no, not at all. I think, uh, yeah, the sound design is great for sure. Um, the f- It also speaks to the strength of Balin in particular, mm-hmm. that when he strikes her lightsaber, you can feel almost that the lightsaber is cracking in a yeah. way, and that comes from the sound design. So it reinforces the brute force strength, the mountain-like strength that Balin has. Mm-hmm. And I think that foreshadowing in the conversation pre the fight is actually really important for many reasons. Not only is it foreshadowing Anakin's return, and it's also talking about the legacy of Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka by proxy. It's really interesting to me when we have main characters that are then talked about by tertiary characters in the third person, and that's Mm -hmm. a big case here with Anakin. And we know that he was famous. We know that... But we know that he was like a well-regarded general in in the Jedi Order, but the interesting thing about that is we've spent all of our time looking at him, not mm-hmm. really at the other parts of the the you know the Jedi. So to hear Balin talk about the death and the destruction in the wake of Anakin Skywalker, and then also in the wake of um, in, in Ahsoka as well, because she was his Padawan, it's a really interesting way to rethink about how we associate ourselves with Ahsoka and her place in all of this. Mm. Yeah, to be the disciple of like one of the most famous Jedi, that's kind of intense. But uh, infamous Jedi, yeah, yeah, that's true. But when he was in, uh, I mean, now in that in that time, definitely infamous. But when they were when the Jedi Order still existed, you know, Anakin was the rock star. I wonder if Balin's position here also indicates a level of. Um, clarity into his intentions and why Mm -hmm. he could be considered a fallen Jedi in the way because he's talking about Anakin as a bringer of death and destruction, right? Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that is an indication to Balin's particular point of view of the Jedi Order as a whole. And Mm -hmm. maybe he also was similar to people like... um, Barris Offi, who disregarded or dis- disdain had disdain for the Jedi Order because they were no longer just peacekeepers, but they became warriors. And Anakin is mm-hmm. the poster boy for <laughs> becoming a warrior in generals because he was the best at that. Mm-hmm. So maybe that sure. goes back into what's Balin's motivations because that's still unclear. But 
we could look back later on and say to ourselves, oh, that's something that's a pretty clear um, delineation of his motives on me with hindsight. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, even though that goes a little bit against what he says la- later that, like, you know, he's not going to start a war, Thrawn is, but he's fine with that uh, because Ahsoka challenges him on that but yeah like his motivation might have been rooted in in that cause and has been corrupted ever since um but yeah it's again he is still a mystery and i'm really curious to find out more about it because i'm sure we will what do you think is his goal actually what would you have to if you just had to like predict what he would be you know wanting that's a really good question. Uh, I could see him being somebody who, yeah, like Barris, had a lot of moral strength. And ever since the the order has fallen, his entire worldview has changed. He's become cynical and he's now just like a power monger. Um, and so he's kind of an opportunist in that regard. Uh, but still has this romantic notion of, you know, his origins. Um, I could see him being somewhat conflicted, especially now that, and we're going to get into this, Sabine is with him, and I'm curious to see what their relationship is going to be like, um, if they have any. Uh, But maybe in some discussions about it, that will kind of pull Balon back because that's also really interesting, right? Sabine doesn't know the Jedi Order, not really. Um, she hasn't experienced it, and Balon has, but he's turned his way his, his back on them. Um, so that would be an interesting mix, uh, like an interesting pair up, um, especially given the way that they interact in this episode. What do you think? I don't think he's just an opportunist in the way that he's just kind of wanting power, even though he says mm-hmm. he wants unlimited power. Not unlimited power, but he says he wants power <laughs> in the last episode. But it just seems to me that he's such a morally int- like particular character, kind of similar mm-hmm. to Thrawn in some ways, where he had as an admiration and, you know, for, for doing the right thing from his own perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually wants to stay in Peridia. And his whole thing mm. is to get to Peridia and he doesn't necessarily need to return. Cool. Uh, that would be interesting to, to see. I'm not entirely sure what his role would be in a Thrawn-led post-Empire world. Uh, and I don't really see a place for him. So yeah. I think that like that's my actual number one thought is that he wants to go to Peridia and he's done with mm-hmm. this galaxy and he wants to go somewhere else. Not entirely sure what that means, but or maybe he wants to be the conduit between the two galaxies, and that's the generation of power for him. Um, and another reason, because they have orange lightsabers. They're clearly not red, and that has to have some meaning, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. that means that they're not Sith, but they're also that they're not entirely Jedi. Um, so how do we then reconcile... Maybe that just... Maybe that just means, sorry, I'm baffling, I'm faffing around a little bit because I don't know exactly <laughs> what to say, but I think that actually, that's it. I decided on air, 
live, I decided <laughs> that I think that it's he wants to be a go between uh, between these two galaxies and sort of uh, be a mediator between the two. And maybe that's how he generates power. And maybe that's also uh, mm. a key is the color of his lightsaber as this mediator between light and dark. Yeah, maybe he wants to transcend the uh, Jedi Sith polarity binary um, as so many have before and after him. The Bendu. <laughs> exactly. Um, whatever his goals are, he pushes Ahsoka over a cliff. Uh, yeah, well, that happens. And, <laughs> that happens. And he uh, pulls some really interesting mind tricks on Sabine. Not really mind tricks, but, you know, sensing her motivations, her feelings. Uh, really interesting stuff. The way she talks, uh, he talks to her. Uh, and convincing her to give the map back and not destroy it for Ezra, as he says. Um, really, really interesting stuff there. What do you make of that? I mean, he played her like a book. Yep. <laughs> she's a bad. She's a Padawan, a bad Padawan at that, and he is an experienced Jedi, and he can do whatever he wants. Uh, it's I think, so yeah. interesting, though. Like to see, like to see her have really no defenses against that, like none at all uh really interesting it's a really cool moment and we see all these nexus points of in Mm -hmm. stories where a character has to make a choice and the ripple effect of that choice will reverberate throughout history and this is another one of them right yeah she could have done something about it and she failed her master and she didn't and i think that's going to be part of the regret that she lives with in the eventual arc of her probably coming to her senses later on and causing disruptions for everyone i guess we'll find out yeah i'm just kind of sad that it's like Sabine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um that I don't know. It kind of makes sense though that it is Sabine because she's the one who lost her family in the Man- mm. like this Mandalore purge. She's the one who maybe doesn't have a partner or a place in anything else uh, as mm-hmm. much as Hera for example. I could never see it be Hera uh, in yeah. that way. And I think that it makes sense because she's the one who's always been a lost soul kind of. And mm-hmm. she obviously has the strength to hold her own in many ways, uh, but there's a level and you, hard to come up when you're coming up against the Jedi master like that. She really is such a parallel to Anakin and all of this. Yeah. So interesting. Um, and thus she is like in a perfect line, Anakin, Ahsoka, Sabine, it all kind of makes sense. Shout out Huyang. Shout out Huyang. <laughs> Definitely. Um, we get a quick cameo of Hera arriving. Not cameo, but like she arrives with some with some fighters, but they're too late. Uh, always happy to see more Hera. Always happy to see more Chopper. Always happy to see some more space stuff. Um, but they piece off into another galaxy. What do you think of Jason saying he's got a bad feeling? somebody always says it it's like i am i hate that they always do that but um you know i i have i've i've accepted my fate yeah not great and i really hope they don't really bring in jason too much here oh my god please i not. wonder if they're just gonna like bring him up in a later part of the canon i'm not sure what they're doing with mm. jason but uh, I hope that we don't end up with like this is the Jason and Hera show. Uh, no, Jason, yeah. fine. Hera, no, sorry, Hera, fine. Jason, no. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, maybe he's going to be a circus next Padawan. Who knows? Um, or go to the Luke, like Luke's temple and die. Or that. Yeah, very true. <laughs> very true. Be, be killed by Kylo Ren. Isn't that fun? Um, I love that. Um, yeah, but honestly, all of this is just preamble for Ahsoka meeting Anakin. Holy shit. What, what was your reaction when you saw it? I mean, you, we, we briefly talked about it up top, but what do you make of all of that and what do you think is going to happen next episode? I'm just confused, honestly. I, I love it. <laughs> yes, I love it. But what does this mean about the world between worlds that we've seen in Rebels? What does this mean for Anakin's place in all that? Is this the same mm. place you go to if you want to be a Force ghost like Yoda and Obi-Wan? Is this going to tie that belt together? Is this mm. something entirely different? Like, what is happening? Is What's going to happen in this next episode? Because in the world between worlds they can go anywhere they can do anything and mm. this is a very weird thing and i'm i'm cautiously optimistic because i think it's going to be interesting and it's going to be fascinating but the downfalls of doing this wrong could be or like the consequences of doing this wrong could be catastrophic on the show and star wars mm-hmm. it could be midichlorian level crap basically Ooh, wow yeah i don't disagree um, but honestly, this is the most Dave Filoni thing ever, and a kid in Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. So I have, I'm uncharist- uncharacteristically optimistic about this, and I'm just curious where it goes. Whether we're going to see an entire episode just with the two of them, and maybe some flashbacks. I would, I would like that. Um, but yeah, I'm just. Man, I'm just looking forward to the next episode. To be perfectly honest, I just wanna, I just wanna watch that. Yeah, this episode really kicked this whole season into high gear. I feel like mm. the season as a whole was kind of going slow, between, uh, you know, for the first three episodes, and now that we're we're in episode four, or past episode four, we're at the halfway mark. But it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's been slow just because of this right? episode, because this episode has been amazing. Yeah it's interesting like as episode four started i thought okay so this is like the beginning of act two um so we're gonna get a few episodes that are just like okay like you know the mandalorian way of doing things i guess it's like some some episodes in between and then we get like the big two episodes at the very end but i mean this has me the most hyped about anything so we got four episodes left can't wait to see it damn when do you think we're going to get Thrawn or if we're going to get Thrawn this season? Or Ezra as well? Not, not before the seventh episode. Like, it's going to be last two episodes for sure. Do you think we're going to get both or just one? I feel like if we get one, we have to get the other. Fair enough. We've already seen the hologram of Ezra, right? So yeah, they, we know true. they've casted him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. I think that influenced what I just said. But it would be interesting to to just see Thrawn and then leave as like the search for Ezra up to season two. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you think the season ends? I mean, we're halfway here now, right? So do we think the season no. ends with them coming back, or the season ends them in Peridia? Because if we have season two for their return. <sighs> I I can't really say because I'll I'll have to see what Peridia is going to be like, to be honest. Fair enough. Like, it's difficult to tell at this point, I think. Famous last words. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with me about this. I really enjoyed it. We had such a great time. Amazing as always. Thank you so much. 
And if you, dear listener, also enjoy the show, just uh, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and keep up with whatever you think that we're doing, which is admittedly not as much as in the past, but we're still here for you. We're still having fun. And I hope you do too. For Chris, I'm Rashad, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.